0: Welcome to the Officer Media Group Roll Call Podcast. Officer Roll Call is meant to inform and entertain. Now, let's get into this episode.
1: Welcome to The Lineup, Officer Magazine's roundup of this week's police and law enforcement news. I'm your host, Joe Vince, Assistant Editor for Officer Magazine. And with me today for our first new episode of the new year, I have...
0: Um that happened. You made me think, man, like first episode. Wait, <laughs> didn't we just record? This is Frank Morelli, y'all. Yes, I'm a retired lieutenant. Been at it. I was at it for about forty years. Just three days ago, we recorded our first roll call podcast yes. of the year. So you confuse me there for a minute. Well, you're gonna make me take more Prevagen <laughs> this morning.
1: Sorry about that. Yeah, it, no, this is this is the first new episode of the lineup. Um and as always, we we've got a. um a full show. So um, unless you've got anything else, I think we can just get started. Let's rock. All right. Uh, first story comes out of Iowa and just four days into the new year, we have, uh, the first school shooting of the year. Um, a 17 year old, uh, went into a uh, high school in Perry, Iowa and shot and killed a sixth grader and wounded five other people. Um, Apparently, uh, the boy had um, uh, a pump shotgun and a handgun. And according to other students, uh, he was a quiet individual who had been bullied and apparently got very upset when his younger sister was also uh, being bullied. Uh, that apparently is what uh, spurred this incident. Uh, he, the uh, the shooter had died of a parent uh, self-inflicted gunshot wound. Um, there haven't been a lot of details released as far as uh, what uh, what transpired when uh, law enforcement reached the scene, but they were there within minutes of of the call.
0: Yeah, you know, so there's a couple of questions around this, Joe, mm-hmm. that I have, um, and some of them obviously really don't matter. Like, why was there a sixth grader in this high school? Um, but there's apparently a middle school right next door or very nearby, and then sixth yes. grade is the first year of middle school, so maybe it had something to do with that um you know we we're looking at thank god and i hate to say this god i hate to say this it was a shotgun and not another ar15 because mm. now we won't get the the cry for um gun control that follows these things where they you know they focus more on uh grandstanding than they do on actually trying to prevent a problem um you know, I'm glad that they took this guy's, all of his social media has already been pulled down. So the stuff that he was pushing out, the notoriety that he was trying to get, maybe, I'm not saying he was, maybe, uh, it's not going to happen. They've taken all of his social media down, which I think is a great, great thing. But you know, it's um, it's interesting. I, I've long been a proponent of just punching the bully in the nose. You know, we've, we've had zero tolerance in our schools since 94, and you really, we're teaching kids not to defend themselves. And then eventually somebody snaps and something like this happens. I got to think that this would be a whole lot better. This wouldn't have gone this way um, if this guy Butler, when he was bullied, had just broken a nose or busted a jaw or gotten in a one-on-one fight rather than uh, just letting it all build up until it explodes out of him with a shotgun and a handgun. Um, And his sister, too. You know, I mean, um, I was not necessarily the popular parent. With the principal and staff at the schools my kids went to, but my children were always taught not to be victims. You know, you walk away from it if you can, talk your way out of it if you can't walk away. But if you can't walk away and you can't talk your way out of it, you're going to win the fight. Um, you're not going to be bullied. You're not going to be a victim. But, you know, my kids weren't going to pick up any one of the guns that are in our house. Now they're all secured and safe. For those people listening from the ATF, I'm not violating any federal laws by leaving guns laying around my house. But, um you know they they weren't going to do that they they might break somebody's nose but they weren't going to take a gun to school and just start randomly shooting people and kill some sixth grader who couldn't possibly have been bullying a high school student
1: yeah yeah i i, I am curious about um uh, that and 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 also, the um, authorities found a um, quote-unquote rudimentary um, explosive device in the school um, that they were able to disarm. So, uh, I, I, you know, I, you wonder uh, just how much to uh, the bullying being a factor, but I don't want to downplay that at all either. But um, when you're setting up an explosive device as well, um, there becomes more of a, a I guess, a planning involved as opposed to what i'll call just the Mapping. what you were talking about just the, everything kind of just boiling over and, and exploding um a, 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 in this uh, this rage uh, by just picking up a handgun or uh in this case a shotgun and, and going into the school so um I, I i'm sure in the days to come we'll we'll find out more hopefully
0: let's remember and we talked about this when we did our active shooter series improvised explosives are absolutely nothing new in true, active shooter true. events we saw them as far back as what the 1920s um right and and they were prep they were there at columbine you know the pearl harbor of actors active shooter events All officers and deputies need to be mindful when they respond of the potential for improvised explosive devices it's uh they're they are um almost as common as the firearms being used
1: moving on to our next story uh this is out of north carolina where uh the community of greensboro is mourning Uh, the death of uh, an officer who was killed off duty um, in the city of Colfax, North Carolina, uh, where he was trying to uh, uh, stop a robbery at a gas station and he was shot and killed. Um, Frank, we've talked before in these cases and and actually in other cases too, I I think just before uh, the end of the year of two NYPD officers who were in Georgia, who, who stopped, uh, uh, an attempted arson of uh, Martin Luther King's boyhood home um that even off duty you're on duty as an officer so to speak and here was was a case of that um where uh, Sergeant Philip Dale Nix uh again trying to stop a robbery at a gas station I, b- I believe the suspects were stealing cases of beer and uh was shot and killed for it um it, it, here's the again it it' just it's just it's just sad to uh, uh, a man who was uh, doing the right thing and off duty, not even on the job. And and he loses his life.
0: You know, and, and I, 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 we talk about when we talk, we identify the fact that I'm retired. I spent 40 years wearing a badge. Um, I'd like to think that if emergency action was still required, that I would do what was appropriate and right. But you know being retired, and like we talked about the two n y p d brothers down in Georgia, being retired doesn't relieve us from a feeling of duty and commitment. um I would encourage all of my fellow officers, retired officers off duty officers <clears throat> to really stop and examine what's at threat, right? I mean, these guys are stealing beer um okay I'm I'm yeah I'm while I understand his commitment to the duty certainly if I'm retired I'm I'm not gonna get in a fight to protect some beer um at the end of the day the wholesale cost is like six bucks for a case of beer uh'm I'm, I'm sure somebody can cover it it's certainly not worth getting into shooting it's not worth my life and it's not worth me having to shoot potentially you know there's two 18 year olds that are committing this crime um this is what How sad is this? Uh, But I I mourn for the officer. I think it's awesome that the community held the candlelight vigil and Uh and all this gave him all this notoriety and and recognized his service and the sacrifice. But we got to, We really need to examine what's going on a little bit better. No, we're never, ever really off duty. But sometimes it's better to be a great witness than to get involved in something. I, I just I think it's a lesson we need to learn sometimes.
1: I'm glad you brought up the vigil because here was a case where uh, it, the actions he he had were were in another city. And yet this community, over 200 people turned out um, to, to honor him, uh, that uh, we, we talk about uh, the way officers affect communities. And here's a prime example of that. Uh, here was a, a man who 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 lost his life, not even in the service of his city and yet the city you know feels a, a great loss for him and, and I, I it's heartening to see it, it's sad that um that demonstration has to come at the result of, of of the loss of life
0: it's a shame to see that you're right but it's it's heartening to see the impact and we need to pay yes. attention this is what i talk about officers um having a greater impact than just the arrests that they make or the tickets that they write or whatever the, the if if you have an officer who's really dedicated to that protect and serve and he is what i call a compassionate warrior his reach into any given community or her reach into any given community is much greater than is tangibly measured
1: moving on to our next story uh, this is out of wisconsin where um a police department is is facing um some what I'll call tensions with the uh, local officials um just uh I guess just last week five Big Ben police officers resigned that's half of the the force um after uh, a blow up at uh, a recent uh, Village board meeting um it, it comes after um a, a few months earlier, where uh, village officials had set up a plan to eliminate the police department and turn over coverage to uh, the sheriff's department. Um, that was changed. Apparently, a, uh, a new collective bargaining agreement was set up and, and even a, a budget established for uh, 2024 for the police department. However. Um, uh, that hasn't erased all of the apparent blad, bad blood between um some of the department and uh local officials um Frank, we've seen this before um uh, happening where um uh, you know these issues end up um hurting a community where where officers just uh, resign.
0: you know the timing of it is is really sad, and you know, we just talked about the impact of one officer on a community. And here you're having, you have it sounds horrendous to say half the police department because <laughs> people think about LAPD in New York and they're like, oh, my God, thousands of cops. Today. This was right. a 10 man agency. Five officers resigned. But it, it's interesting that they last September, the village board, their their city council, right, started discussing plans to disband the police department. And a month later, the chief dies. And I'm not saying there's any any hanky-panky, dirty, anything, but I think it speaks to the fact that this officer, this chief had a commitment to uh, doing his job, to the people that he led, to the community that they served. And, and when threatened with that being taken away, I can't help but wonder if that had a severe health or mental impact on him. Now, set that aside, um, politics in little towns are more contentious than in big places. The optics are so much more magnified under the mi- a microscope of a little town. And uh, the city council members who uh, sometimes get overly impressed with themselves, and I'm not saying that's the case here, I'm just saying it happens sometimes, uh, they can cause a lot of problems unintentionally thinking they're doing the right thing or chasing a vote or pandering to a, a you know group of constituents or whatever. And they really don't realize how bad they're crapping on the people that keep their community safe. Um, and I, I got to wonder what the overall circumstances here, but if they've got a budget for 2024, they've got five officers that resigned um, love to know who's running the agency. Mm-hmm. And you know, then, then how, how fast can they hire on? I'm sure the sheriff's office will back them up when they need it.
1: Right. And, and talking about uh the the death of the chief you, you wonder too, how much he was um maybe keeping a steady a steady hand with uh, everything that was going on um you know, possibly uh, disbanding the department um if he was a calming influence uh with with the rest of the officers um you know again, you're not it it it's not sure i'm not sure how much you know what what the specific you know reasons. Behind some of this, is it the the fact of just the idea that um, officers upset that that there were plans of disbanding the department, or, for, or if there's something else? But you're you're correct too. I mean, when you get to these smaller communities, it, it it's that contact is is much more direct between um, public official and constituency, and you know, you it, you don't have that bureaucracy in the way.
0: Well, um, forgive me for interrupting. No, go me. right ahead. Hands down, a a good chief of police is a huge buffer between the city council members or village board members or county exec, whatever, and the people that he leads or she leads. They're they're, they're the big buffer. They they weed out most of the crap so that the officers don't have to deal with it. But this is not just about that potential disbandment. The one officer uh, said he was tired of the harassment of the village board and all he'd been dealing with throughout the years. So this is an ongoing challenge. This isn't uh, just something that's happened in the last four months, but it's, it's sad to see, you know, we, you've got a, a community in North Carolina that holds a candlelight vigil for one officer and apparently a community in Wisconsin, that's going to lose half its police department. And you have to wonder if this, if the village board's even going to, I mean, elections got to come up sometime or they, is anything going to change? But anyway.
1: Well, and, and jumping across Lake Michigan to Michigan um. I, Their uh, department, uh, Bel Air, um, heading into the new year is is seeing a department that had been um, three officers now down to just the chief. Um, He lost his lost last officer in November, and he's the the last last man standing uh, in that community. And that's a case of of budget cuts of of just you know not being able to afford. keeping these, these officers, um, on, you know, and that's something else we've talked in, in 2023, you and I, uh, we're seeing, uh, pop up uh, across this country, especially in these smaller communities.
0: Yeah. And, you know, in, in all fairness, it, a lot of people go, "Well, want a little agency, one man, three man, no big deal, but the count, the community that they serve does feel it. Um, yes. And this was all about. Um, I have to believe this is about budget management, right? So, Kearney Township. Um, on the on the one hand, they they approved this levy to to fund the agency. On the other hand, the the citizens voted and voted it down. Um, right. You know, but this 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 city's only got a thousand people in it. And the recommended ratio is one officer for every thousand people. So this is probably appropriate. What those people need to understand is when they pick up their phone at 1130 at night, dial 911, they are not going to get a local officer who knows what's going on responding. They're going to get a county officer who may or may not have a clue. Um, there's still get great service, but it may not be fully informed service. It may not be somebody who can empathize with what's going on or understand the full circumstance because you know right to have a full-time law enforcement agency takes a minimum minimum of five officers and that's if nobody ever goes to training and nobody ever goes on vacation nobody ever gets sick so this 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 town's definitely going to feel the impact it's sad to see uh any any town just one you know mm-hmm. anyway
1: stay, next story it will stay in michigan um and some positive news, uh, Detroit had seen in 2023 saw uh, homicides drop to the lowest total since 1966 in the city. Uh, also they saw decreases in violent crime. Um what's interesting is that this um is similar to how me, uh, many big cities uh, across the country uh were seeing uh 2023 um decreases in homicides, violent crimes, um Detroit is crediting, uh, the department is crediting, um, uh, their effective database, uh, strategy and, um, just, just hard work from, from their officers, uh, with these drops, um, you know, after coming, um, just a few years after, um, a push to, um, defund the police, to, um, I, I rein back, I guess, some uh, law enforcement in some communities. Uh, I, I I think you're you're seeing um, I don't want to say reverse in that necessarily, but uh, communities realizing what it is they they want the police departments to do, and and letting them do it in some cases.
0: Well, so we say this is good news, and certainly any drop in crime and murder is good is a good thing. But I'm, I'm going to throw the cynical and pessimistic spin on it for you. Um, 13% drop in killings from 22 to 23, but that followed a 30% increase from 20 to 21. So it's really still up 17%. Um, you know, it, it's we. you look at later down in the article, it says other large cities reporting drops in homicides in 23 included Atlanta, Baltimore, Chicago, Houston. Los Angeles, New York, Philadelphia, uh, lots of cities saw drops in 23, but all those cities had seen homicides spike to near record levels in the previous three years. It's it's a frequency. We've had this conversation. It's a wave. It's going to go up. It's going to go down. We're going to see what's happening. Now, you know, if if, if major crime is going down, um, budgets are going that's going to be used as justification to cut budgets and reduce manpower then crimes going to go up and then you cry for more budget more manpower then crimes going to go down and it's it's ongoing i think the only thing that really bothers me is the statistical reporting joe you know they, they talk uh-huh. about uh, population today mm-hmm. um, versus what it was in 1960 and then they start care- comparing per capita homicide rates and that's how they decide whether or not uh, it went down Um, you know, and they talk about the lowest rate since 1960, or whatever. The homicide rate in 1966 per capita was 12.8, and that was with almost three times the number of people in Detroit. 12.8. Now, now there's 252 in a year. That's a rate of 39.4. Um, you know, so they say it dropped but it's more than triple per capita. I statistics reporting bothers me. But um I, I think I've more than destroyed the good news I didn't mean to do it that bad. I <laughs> I I didn't mean to do it that bad. It's good news I, if there's less murder it's good.
1: I I I think I think I mean you you have to um you have to look at those numbers and yeah okay uh, uh, evaluate them honestly uh, it, it, like you said the it's good news that they're down, but you know it it's not it, it's not this idea that oh hey, uh, you know everything's solved and and um you know smooth sailing all ahead um uh, you know I, and and I'm sure you know the those those cities and the agencies are are i would imagine, i would hope are are looking at it that way as well um but at least it's um it's in a a a positive direction yep yep moving on to our next story we'll keep moving east to ohio um where uh beginning of the year um the state is is seeing now um marijuana legalized and this is um causing a ripple effect when it comes to uh some police canines across the state um specifically those trained primarily or tr- excuse me trained exclusively um to uh, find cannabis um those dogs now are being put on an extended break um while uh, officials uh, kind of figure out the legality um when it comes to deploying them at traffic stops and things like that um the the issue being that um, it, if they are smelling cannabis and alert their handler to this, that's not illegal. That's does you know that's not uh, necessarily uh, grounds to continue a search. Um, and those dogs, unfortunately, those exclusively trained to to do this cannot be retrained. So, it now have to figure out how you know what are you going to do with uh, with these animals and. Uh, you know, everything that's involved with their, with their training and care. Um, So it's something that uh, Ohio isn't the first state to have to um, uh, deal with this, uh, but it is something um, that they're, they're still figuring out.
0: You know, this really, this took me by surprise because I've never been a canine handler, but I didn't think that we ever had a CDS trained dog, a drug dog trained only to detect marijuana. I always thought they were, you know, trained for cocaine and, and other drugs as well. So it surprises me that there's dogs staying home simply because marijuana's become legal. Um I and I and I it is interesting what they're I'm glad they're letting them stay with the handlers. I'm glad they're not treating them just as assets for the agency like they're a chunk of property to be gotten rid of or whatever. Um adopted out however they would you know get rid of the dogs if they wanted to um alleviate the cost of vet care and food and all that other stuff but you know very last line of this of the article no dog is trained only for marijuana detection and that's a Dayton the Dayton Police Department who confirmed all dogs remain in service um it amazes me if there's a dog out there only trained to detect marijuana and then I I can't help but wonder if they couldn't be retrained pretty quick to find um explosives or something else i mean article searches or article searches tracking people or tracking people it's it's different kind of patrol work but um this is an interesting piece and i wonder why these dogs were trained only to detect marijuana if that's the case
1: i I wonder too if it is a matter of detecting detecting narcotics and and a dog not being able to say well this you know now not being able to not detect marijuana if that makes sense you're right, it's basically i'm going to single signal if I smell any of the the uh drugs that I've been trained to detect marijuana being one of them um uh, again i and I say this uh, I'm speculating here um uh, the other thing too is. And, and it in it I'm sure it'll depend on, on each department I I do know that um, uh, some departments in 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 these cases of instead of just outright retiring their dogs um, will sometimes shift them over to um uh more of a um uh, emotional support for the community and so on, and even for officers in the department, um, it, it's a it's not as intensive retraining. Then um, doesn't require the same amount of cost, etc. You're you're and you're still able to have the dog on uh, in the department in the agency. Um, it, you know, it, it all depends on 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 the department and their needs and and the budget and so on.
0: You know, a good friend of mine, a buddy named Steve, who lives in Pennsylvania, um, just recently adopted a retired canine, and and it's doing both of them a world of good. Uh, The article is not just about one agency. It is about several and what they've been doing different ways. Um, It'll be interesting to see how things change with marijuana becoming legal. Um, As long as they're taking care of the dogs, I think we're okay. Yep.
1: And finally, for our last story, we head to Colorado, and the first – Ah, dumb criminal story of the year although technically it happened right at the the end of 2023 but it's the first one for us and and i was afraid we weren't going to get one Uh, i posted this to our website on friday and we're recording this friday um this is out of wheat ridge um colorado where um police were able to arrest um an accused burglar um while he was trying to get away and the way he was trying to escape was by hailing an uber Um, police had uh, responded to report of uh, activity around a plumbing store Um, when they arrived at the scene uh, they found the uber sitting outside of the store uh, waiting for uh, the suspect and Police waited, <laughs> waited there with them and were able to uh, arrest uh, the individual who had um, over $80,000 worth of, of tools that uh, he was trying to get away with.
0: Okay. Um, $8,600, not $80,000. Oh, excuse me, <laughs> 80000 I <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: Wow. that w- imagine. Oh, thank you for catching me on
0: that. Uh, I got to love this. So way back in the day, way back in the day, we got a call for a burglar alarm at a, uh, a nursery, uh, you know, an outdoor supply place. I can't remember the name of the chain. And we, I got there with another officer, and we started walking the perimeter. We found a broken window. Somebody had used a pallet as a ladder to climb up and go through a broken window, break a window out, go in. And so we let the rest of the squad know, okay, yeah, there's somebody in here. And we set up the perimeter. And when this guy was done stealing everything he wanted to steal, he walked out the front door like he owned the place down the walk. And then the sergeant said good morning to him, because it was about 3.15 in the morning. And that poor guy's day just went to heck in a handbasket real quick. Um, you you got to be, I, I'm loving this. Our first stupid criminal story of the year. I'm going to call for an Uber and give them the address to pick me up where I'm actually committing the crime. Is just more evidence for the prosecutor. Thank you very much. It, it, uh, yeah, this guy's not the sharpest tool in the shed.
1: I, uh, Yeah, I just I, I and, and, and
0: all the God, sharp tools were in his backpack. Uh-huh. <laughs> God forbid you you get a you get a
1: chatty Uber driver asking you, hey, what have you been up to this evening? And I, yeah, I just I just don't. Yeah, why do you bring someone in <laughs> into this to to provide to to be a witness? Uh, you know, to 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 at least corroborate that you might have been in the area or anything like that. I.
0: Well, and that's just it, it. I mean, the Uber records are going to show this guy who owns this phone, who has this account, called for this Uber ride at this address at this time. And then he walked out after he broke out. You don't even need video. You got the guy called at the scene because of Uber. I love it. I love it.
1: Hey, you got. you got to get away somewhat, somehow. I, I, I guess you use Uber.
0: He won't so. do it again.
1: That's true. I would hope not. Um, Well, thank you again for tuning into this, uh, our first episode of 2024. And hope you'll be back for uh, the rest of the year. And, you know, hopefully while you're here, maybe checking out some of our other podcasts, like uh, at the beginning of this episode, Frank had mentioned Officer Roll Call, which uh, we just uh, uh, recorded and and posted a new episode. So definitely check that out.
0: And you know, it's sad we talked about that active shooter event in Iowa here, uh, but we did a whole series. It was um, sponsored by FirstNet. Um, six of them. They're they're available. Check them out. They're they're full of good information stuff. Sometimes we don't think about active shooters. Unfortunately, are not going away. I wish they were. It's going to take a huge coordinated effort from every member of the community. Um, eh. give them a listen share the information let's get the word out there let's try to reduce these things thanks
1: again for listening take care and stay safe
0: thank you for listening to this week's episode of the lineup please remember the opinions voiced are not those of officer media group or endeavor business media but only those speaking those opinions themselves thank you and stay safe